Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to pick up in verse 18. We talked last time I was with you about the will of God in verses 15, 16, and 17. And so we're going to move forward today. Thank you for letting me uh, be gone a week. Uh, I think it was really uh, very timely uh, in, in my own personal life and in, even in the life of our church. You know, as I, as I look back a little bit, have 30 minutes this morning to reflect upon a week. Um, what we're stepping into um, pretty soon, it's coming on as quick, is uh, opening up a second campus. And uh, I have no idea how it's going to work. Uh, I really don't. I don't know. I, I just don't, you know, people keep asking, how are we going to work? I, I don't know how it's going to work, actually. But uh, we're, we're, we, want, we want to reach out to our city. We want to uh, win people to Christ. We want um, to involve more people in worship. Uh, we want to do all of those things. And we feel like God's leading us to this, to this end. And uh, basically, if I could summarize my week, I, I don't know how to, how to summarize it. I, I, don't, I can't even begin to kind of get my head around it. But um, I think what God did was he put me in a, 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 a state of constant peril, uh, constant um, how are we going to do this? How's this going to work? Uh, are we going to live? You know, that sort of thing. And then uh, put me around some guys who really taught me a lot about leadership and about uh, if, I, if I could, if I could uh, just summarize one thing I really learned is that with dogged tenacity, you can do almost anything. You know, I mean, if you, if you just lower your head and just keep at it and uh, keep at it and keep at it. And so, uh, so God really taught me a lot of my personal life that I think is going to, because I, I think when we, when, we, when we start on this endeavor, I think there's going to be times where we're like, I don't know how it's going to work, you know. And uh, I, I do have a tendency to kind of bail on stuff, you know. Well, that didn't work, so okay, let's try something different. Sometimes you need to, to hang in there and, and work it out. And, and so God, God taught me a lot about, about that and about myself and uh, a lot about missions. I uh, had a chance to share the gospel with people from all over the world. And uh, that was neat. So thank you for letting me go. I appreciate that. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to stop there for today in, in the sermon portion, but I'm going to go ahead and read verse 21 because verse 21 is, is part of this flow, but we're not going to have time for it. Verse 21 says, submitting to one another. Out of reverence for Christ. Okay? Let, let's ask God to teach us this morning. Father, we, we thank you for an opportunity to, to sit under your word. God, we thank you for uh, the Bible, the, the, the breathings of the Spirit of God. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, teach us what it is to be filled with your Spirit, to be permeated and saturated and, and controlled and yielded to the Spirit of God. God, we want that in our lives. And we trust you, God. We trust that you're a good God that uh, your plan is best, that you know better than we, that you are the wise one, that you are the faithful one, that you're the good one. And Father, we want to submit ourselves to, to your, your empowering and your leadership today. So Lord, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I think if a lot of people are honest, when, uh, when they think about uh, what would it mean if I just gave it all to God? Have you ever thought about that? What, what would it mean if I just really just completely yielded myself 
to, to, to God's will, to the Spirit of God. Two weeks ago, we looked at, at the will of God. What is the will of God for your life? And, and, and to be honest, and, and maybe this is not true of you, but, but it's true of a lot of people that I talk to, a lot of people are really kind of scared of that, you know? Uh, scared of, what if I just really just do whatever God wants me to do? What, what, if, what if I be whoever God wants me to be? Uh, what, what if I just completely give it all over and yield myself completely to God? A lot of people are kind of scared of, how's that going to look? I mean, how, how's that going to end up, you know? I, I, am I going to be in a white robe on a corner with a, with a cardboard sign that says, repent or perish, you know? I mean, is God going to send me to Africa? Am I going to have no friends? Am I not going to be able to watch OSU football? I mean, what, what's God going to do? A lot of people are just suspicious of and just kind of held back a little bit about, what if I give it? Just, just God, I'm a, uh, you, you have me. You, you lead me. You empower me. I want you to control my life from beginning to end, from my conversation to my marriage, to my relationships, to everything in my life. And I think there's a lot of folks that are kind of scared about that. What's that going to look like if I really do that? If I really hand my finances over to God and just really do what he wants to do with what's that going to look like? Well, I can't tell you what that's going to look like in all the details of your life. And we looked at that two weeks ago, a little bit, how the will of God is general for us all, but it's specific as well in some areas of our life. But I can tell you from this passage, the Bible has given us really a great picture. Uh, It's a preview is what it is of of what it's going to look like in general, what your life is going to look like if you will allow the spirit of God to permeate every area of your life. Let me give you a preview, okay? Here it is. Here's a preview of what what that's going to look like in your life, okay? Celebratory joy, deep and constant gratitude, and edifying and harmonious relationships. Did Did you hear those three? Okay? Celebratory joy, okay? Constant gratefulness, and edifying Christ centered relationships. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of raise my hand and say, I want some of that. Don't you? I mean, if that's what it's going to look like overall in my life, if I yield my life to God, I, I want that. Hey, that celebratory joy, you got me right there. Don't, don't, doesn't that get you? I mean, I want that. And Ephesians is telling us, look, this, this is what God wants to do in your life. This, this, this is what it means to, to, to yield yourself to the Spirit of God. And so let's talk this morning about what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit. Okay, now before we get too far into this, we need to make a distinction. Being filled with the Spirit is different than being indwelt with the Spirit. Now we've talked about this before, but I, I want to make that very clear. Because for the last three months or so, since we, since we started in Ephesians 1, about every sermon, and at some point in the sermon, I review for you what we learned in, in chapters 1, 2, and three, which are all the incredible gifts that God has given to every born-again believer. You know, Caleb was up here this morning uh, professing that he, he's a born-again believer. And if that's true in his life, then, then Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 are true. If that's true in your life, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 are true. And God has done all these amazing things in you. You're a child of God, predestined to holiness. And what we say every week is indwelt by the Spirit of God. In other words, the Spirit of God lives in you permanently. Okay? But see, that's something different than what Paul is talking about this morning. Okay? Every born-again believer is indwelt with the Spirit of God. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, let me give you a little review. It says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed. No, notice the, the past tense of that. You were sealed. Okay? When you came to Jesus, when you put your faith in Him, you were sealed by the Spirit. In other words, what happens is, when you come to Christ... 
the Spirit of God comes to indwell in you the moment you put your faith in Christ, the moment that, that God saves you. The Spirit of God comes to live in you permanently, okay? That's what we call, that's, that's what we, 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 how we describe being indwelt by the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8 says, if that's not happened in your life, then you're not a believer. You may be in church, you may sing songs, you may call yourself a Christian. You are not a Christian if you do not have the Spirit of God indwelling in you. Romans 8 9 says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him, okay? So, so this is something different, being indwelt. Whenever you put your faith in Christ, you are indwelt. The Spirit of God comes to live inside you. He makes you alive. He joins you to Jesus. He seals you in that relationship, and He stays there permanent to make you a new creation. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You're a temple of the Spirit of God if you are a believer. Okay, But that's not what Paul's talking about. So that's one thing. Okay, Put that over here. Okay, Being indwelled with the Spirit of God. If you're a believer here today, if you're born again, you are indwelt. The Spirit of God has come to live inside of you. He will never leave. He's made you alive. He's quickened you. He's going to make you a new creation. He's going to apply all the promises of God to your life. He is in you, okay? But that's being indwelt by the Spirit of God. Now, today, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. And see, that's something different, okay? That's, that's something different. He is commanding us to do this, okay? The other says, once you're a born-again believer, that, that this is what happens. This is what God gives you. This is how God saves you, is by putting His Spirit in you. Okay, but, but here Paul is saying, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, the verb tense there, uh, you can probably even tell in the English translation, it's a continual thing. Be filled, okay? This is not a one-time event. This is something that, that you're, you're to do, you're to yield to, you're, you're, you're to, to, to pursue every moment of your life, okay? As you, as you are sitting there right now, you ought to be, according to the Apostle Paul, according to Ephesians chapter 5, you ought to be striving to be filled with the Spirit. As you walk to Sunday school and begin to converse with these other people in this room, you ought to strive to be filled with the Spirit of God. As you leave and get in your car and talk to your family on the way out of here, you ought to be striving to be filled with the Spirit of God. Okay, This, this is a continual thing. Tomorrow at work, on the rig, wherever you are this week, the, the, this is a continual thing that, that Paul is commanding here to be filled with the Spirit. Now, what, what does it exactly mean? It's an interesting word, isn't it? Filled, okay? Be filled with the Spirit. Uh, commentators basically say that this word can, can have so many meanings, uh, so many different kinds of meanings in the New Testament. Uh, some of them are like, if I were to fill this water bottle up to the top, that, that would be filled, right? I mean, we use it that way, to, to, to fill something up. In other words, you put a lot of it in it. You, 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 you fill it up. Okay? If you say, I'm full of ice cream, what does that mean? It means you ate a lot, right? It means you keep, kept eating and eating and eating until you couldn't eat anymore, and then you were full, okay? Uh, you, you ate a lot of it. Likewise, if you're full of the Spirit, you've taken in a bunch of the Spirit. You've yielded yourself to the Spirit. It can be used as, in the sense of like wind filling a sail, in the sense of, of being empowered by uh, I think it's used a lot in the New Testament for, for permeation, like, like something fills something, it permeates something, um, meaning that, that the Holy Spirit has permeated every part of your life. Being filled with the Spirit means that, that, that the Spirit of God has permeated your conversation, and He's permeated your thought life, and He's permeated where you go and your friendships and your habits and what you do. He's filled every corner of your life, okay? But I, but I think overall, the, the best definition of this word is total control. Okay? Being filled with the Spirit means that, that the Spirit of God has control. You're yielded 
to Him. In the Bible, and we use the same, same phraseology as well, but, but in the Bible it talks about being filled with fear, being filled with joy. And you use that. What does that mean when someone's filled with fear? You ever seen somebody filled with fear? I've seen people filled with fear, you know? Uh, I, I remember coming down when Addie was about uh, eight years old, seven years old, nine years old, something like that. We were coming down uh, uh, Seven Falls Ladder. Remember that, Addie? Uh, we're coming down. We, we, we thought it was a great idea. We were going to hike up and then take the elevator down. And, and as happens most of the time on, on my trips, we got to the top. Great plan. Elevator closed ten minutes ago. So we had to come down the stairs. Addie's a little afraid of heights. And it's just these open stairs. And, and I remember looking at her. You know, it's about seven years old, about eight years old, and just filled with fear. How did I know that? Because it was like coming out of her pores, okay? I mean, her conversation was fearful. Her eyes looked a certain way. I mean, fear had permeated. It had taken control, okay? And her hands... I mean, that's what it means to be filled with fear, right? Someone's filled with joy. Man, you can just see it all over them. You don't have to wonder, are you happy or not? You don't have to wonder that. You know, you can see it. That's what that means. It's filled them up. It's permeated. They're controlled by this thing. Someone who's filled with fear, they're controlled by fear. They can't move. They can't do what they want to do because fear has taken hold of them. To be filled with the Spirit is to be under the Holy Spirit's domination and control. Now, isn't it interesting how Paul starts this out, though? Look at verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Why does he talk about alcohol? You know, This would be a great time, by the way, to just to do a sermon on alcohol. I, I thought about doing that and, and still might maybe on a Sunday night or something. Because this would be a great time just to unpack that. But, but I really don't think that's the point. Okay, I, I, think, I think what Paul's doing is what he's been doing for the last several months in, in these passages we've looked through. Paul's talking about put off the old man. Remember this? Put on the new man. How many times have we looked at that in the last couple months? You know, put off falsehood, put on truth. Put off stealing, put on generosity and hard work. Put, put, put off anger and, 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 uh, and bitterness, put on reconciliation. I mean, Paul's been telling us that's what you do in the Christian life, is you, you put off these things that don't belong there, and you put on these other things, okay? So it makes sense from this standpoint that when Paul talks about being filled with the Spirit, he would say, okay, so you need to put this off and put on being filled with the Spirit. Okay, but, but here's the question. Why does he use drunkenness? Well, I think there's a great reason. Think about this. This is a great analogy. Why, why do people get drunk? Okay, why do people get drunk? Uh, I think the prevailing answer would have to be they want to be happy. Don't you think that's right? Is that right? And there's some others, and we'll get to them in a minute. But I think the prevailing a- a- answer would be, you know, for happiness reasons, for joy reasons, for celebratory reasons, right? They want to feel good. Um, they, they, they're, it's a pursuit of happiness. And, and when Paul says, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, what he's saying is, okay, it's okay to pursue happiness. Isn't that a good deal? I want you to know that today. It is okay to pursue happiness, okay? But Paul's saying, don't pursue it this way. Pursue it by being filled with the Spirit of God. Listen to Psalm 4. This is a great verse. Psalm 4, 7. Here's what the psalmist says. You have put more joy in my heart. He's talking about God. God has put more joy in my heart than they, he's talking about the world around them, have when their grain and their wine abound. Okay? And so, so okay, why do people get drunk? Feel good, right? Joy. I want some happiness. Paul's saying, don't seek it that way. Be filled with the Spirit. Why do people get drunk? They want peace in their life, right? 
alcohol is a way of saying, man, my life is a struggle. My life is hard. I've got problems. I've got stress. I've got difficulties. And I can't take it anymore. I need some way to relieve that. I need some way to let that down, to bring that down. I need, I need to feel okay for a little while. And that's why a lot of people drink. That's why a lot of people get drunk with, with, with wine or, or alcohol. Okay? Hey, you know what? You know what the Bible says? The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit is going to produce in your life. A lot of things here, but let me point out one. Love, joy, peace. Do you hear it? Peace. What does the Spirit of God produce? Peace in your life. Okay? Why do, why do people get drunk? The, lots of reasons. When they are drunk, what, what happens? They're controlled and their behavior is shaped by the alcohol. When people are drunk, they, they see the world differently because of alcohol, right? They, they act differently. They speak differently. They, they do things they wouldn't normally do. Why? Because they're under the influence of alcohol. And so, so Paul's saying, no, 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 don't, don't, don't be under the influence of that. Be under the influence of Act differently, speak differently, think differently, feel differently, see the world differently by being filled, by being permeated with the Spirit of God. Because here's what Paul's saying. Look, that's, that's a counterfeit to the real thing. Being drunk with wine is a counterfeit. It's a cheap imitation. Everything the devil offers. Have, have you found this out in your life? Everything the devil baits you with is a cheap imitation of what God really wants to give you. Isn't that right? It is. It, 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 it's, it's not real. It's not the real thing. Drunkenness produces a reality that's not real. It produces a hope that's not real. A confidence that's not real. A security that's not real. A fulfillment that's not real. How many times have you seen someone do something, be confident that they could do something under alcohol that they really couldn't do? You know? I mean, it's not real. It, it, it's a false reality. A person can literally be in the midst of flushing their life down the toilet. They can be in the act of ruining their family and ruining their relationships and ruining their career and devastating themselves financially and have a sense of happiness and peace. Why? Because they're full of wine. You see what that does? I mean, they they can be in the midst of just cratering everything and at the same time feel like, wow, life is good. Is life good? No. You're you're bankrupting yourself. It's an artificial happiness. And so so what Paul is urging us here toward, I want you to see this. He's urging us toward, get the real thing, okay? And it's not just wine. There's other things. But but, but I think wine is a great example. But Paul's saying, get the real thing. You want joy in your life? You want peace in your life? You want security in your life? You want happiness in your life? You want fulfillment in your life? You want purpose in your life? You want peace? You want those things? Be filled with the Spirit of God. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Get the real thing. The Spirit of God is what real. He's what lasts. All right, now here's, here's the big question probably. So how, how, by what means are we filled with the Spirit? Okay, so here we open up our Bibles this morning and we, 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 we start reading. Don't be drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. But Jason, Jason, be filled with the Spirit of God. Okay, the Bible commands me, be filled. I'm a believer. I'm in dwell with the Spirit of God. The Bible's commanding me to be filled with the Spirit of God. So what do I do? How do I do that? What do I do? And that, that's a good question, right? How are we filled with the Spirit of God? Well, the first thing I can say, and this is a pretty obvious thing. We, we looked at it a few weeks, but I want to just, just say it briefly, okay? First of all, 
we, we're filled by the Spirit, obviously by not grieving the Spirit. Remember chapter 4, verse 30? If you'll just back up in your Bible a little bit. It says, verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. In other words, there's a way of living that grieves the Spirit of God. There's a way of living that says, I don't want you in my life, Spirit. I mean, it really says that. There's a way of living that says, God, get out of my life. Don't tell me what to do. I don't want to listen to you. I don't want you permeating my conversation. I don't want you permeating my attitude. You say, oh, I'd never do that. You ever refuse to forgive somebody? You just did it. You refuse to forgive somebody. Isn't that what you're saying? God, I don't want you to take control. I will not allow you to take control. I will not allow you to permeate the way that I think about that person or the way that I talk to that person or the way that I act around them. And what verse 30 says is you're grieving the Spirit of God when you do that. In other words, instead of giving Him control, instead of being saturated and permeated with the Spirit of God, you're holding Him back and you're grieving Him in your life. And so obviously... oh. As we think about how, how am I filled with the Holy Spirit, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, first of all, by not grieving the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, it's kind of like someone saying, hey, you know, hey, I want you to drive. You know, it's me, me Andrew and I, we're on a, on a mission trip, we're driving somewhere, and I say, hey, buddy, I want you to drive. And he says, okay. And he gets out and opens up the door, and I don't let go of the steering wheel. You know, I look at him and say, hey, I want you to drive. Say, well, get out then, you know. No, I, I don't want to get out, and I'm not going to let go of the wheel, but I want you to drive. You know, a, a lot of people are doing that with, hey, God, I want, I want, you, in my, I want you to take control of my life. No, no, I'm not doing that. So, so first of all, we, we have, to, have to not grieve the Spirit of God. If there's sin in your life, if, if there's areas of, of obvious disobedience, you know you're doing this thing, and God doesn't want you to do it, and God's put it on your heart, and you've been convicted of it, and you refuse to budge... That's going to hinder you being filled with the Spirit of God, isn't it? Okay? Now, second of all, what does it mean to be filled with the, with the Spirit of God? Well, this is, this is really cool. I want you to see it is vitally, vitally connected to this book. Okay? Being filled with the Spirit of God is vitally connected to your own relationship with the Word. Okay? Let me show you that. Turn uh, one book more in your Bible to Colossians. Okay? Uh, I'm sorry, two books. About ruined my, my Bible knowledge there, okay? So you got Ephesians, and you got Philippians, and you got Colossians. Just a couple pages, okay? Colossians chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 16. Now, I want you to see how similar this is. Written by the same guy, by the way. The Apostle Paul wrote both these, okay? Verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, okay? Then look what he says the result of that is teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Okay, so let's compare these two verses. In Ephesians, what, what does Paul say? Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. And then what's, what comes right after that? Singing to one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, being grateful, constant, always being thankful. Okay, Colossians, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then what's he say the result of that is? Singing, addressing one, one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, being thankful. In other words, these verses are parallel. They're, 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 they're the same, context and all, except for these two phrases, be filled with the Spirit and let the Word of God, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so here's what that teaches me. Letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly is a parallel thing to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? 
So, so the Word of God is vitally connected to, to being filled with the Spirit. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Those are not two different things. Those are two things that go together. Taking the Word of Christ. When I, when I, when I saturate, first of all, when, when I drink a lot of the Bible, okay? Remember, what, what, who, who, whose Word is this? This is God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. It says, he, he, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, uh, but was made manifest in the last saints. Uh, that's not what I want. I think I wanted Second Peter. I hate that when that happens. Okay, yeah, verse 20. It does kind of wake you up, though. You know, oh, he made a mistake. Now I'm more alert. So could be on purpose, maybe. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Verse 21, no prophecy was ever spoken by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. How we get our Bible? The Holy Spirit saturated, permeated, filled men of God and spoke the word. Okay, so whose word is this? It's, it's the word of the Spirit, isn't it? It's the breathings of the Spirit of God. All right? And, and, and so when we live out, when we drink a lot of the word of God, you want to be filled with the Spirit? You want to be filled up? Then drink a lot of the word. But, but, but not just drink it, but, but, but live out the truths of the Bible. Saturate your mind with God's truth. Live in light of the promises of God. Live in line with, with, with what God's truth says. Have you ever noticed in the Bible that whenever, whenever the Bible talks of people being filled with the Spirit, almost always the Word of God is on their lips. Let me give you an example. Acts chapter 4. I'm not sure if this one's on the screen. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. This is the, the early church. And it says, When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Ooh, okay, what's going to happen? They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? Look what happens next. And continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. And it makes sense, right? Because if these two are connected, and if being filled with the Holy Spirit is connected to being, being filled up with the Word of God, being saturating your life and your mind with the Word of God, that what's going to come out of you is what? Is God's truth, right? If you're seeing God's reality, filling your mind with God's reality, what's going to come out of you is, is God's reality. So one thing we can say for certain, okay? You, you're here today. You say, I want God to take control of my life. I want to be filled with the Spirit. Okay, if you say that and you have no initiative to be in this book... That's going to hinder that, isn't it? You don't give any effort. You don't give any energy. You, you don't do the hard work of being in your Bible and saturating your mind with truth. Then that's going to hinder your ability to be filled with the Spirit of God. So, drink lots of the Bible, okay? Drink it in faith, okay? No, not, not just read it. Not just put in your time, you know? That, that's, that, that's, that's not the same thing, okay? That's not letting the Word of Christ dwell in you. That Word dwell, abide, live in you richly. Okay, it's not just the same thing as, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read two chapters every morning, you know? Just go over the words. I don't know anything, you know, after. No, no, uh-uh. Read it through faith, okay? Read it by faith. Em- embrace the promises of God to your own life. Embrace the commands of God to your own life. Live it out. Trust God in what he says in his word. Make his reality your reality. Romans describes this, I think, in a good way. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. It says, Those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Okay, It's another way to describe setting your mind on the word of God. But by, by having a reality in your mind of being set on the Spirit of God, being dependent upon God for your life, coming from the Word of God. Okay? All right. How's that going to look? Okay? How's that going to look in your life? Okay? 
I know you know I'm going to say this, but it's here. It is here. I'm not making it up. It's going to look, first of all, how's this going to practically look in your life? It's going to look like Christ-centered relationships. Okay, some of you are you're balking against that because I say it so much. So let me say it a different way. It's going to look like spiritually edifying relationships with other believers. How about that? If I say it that way, is that better? You know, you think you're getting something fresh and new if I say it that way? Okay, spiritually edifying relationships with other believers. Notice what he says here. Look at this. Don't be drunk with wine for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, what's the very next thing we see? Addressing one another. Who's one another? Tony. John. That's who, it's us. Addressing one another. Okay? So, so the very first phrase after be filled with the Spirit is a phrase that drives us into relationships with other believers. How about in Colossians? Is it the same? Well, let's look. Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. What's the next phrase? Teaching and admonishing one another. There it is again. Okay? And so what are we learning here? We're learning that being filled with the Spirit means actively pursuing and building faith relationships with other believers. Friends, here's what's clear. The will of the Holy Spirit is to use you to build up the faith of others. If God has His way in your life, He will intertwine your life with the life of other believers, okay? Let me just tell you that right off the bat, okay? If you're wondering, what's it going to look like if I surrender over my life to Jesus? If I really just do whatever God wants me to do? Let me tell you right away, I'll just, I'll just warn you, I promise you this will happen. What it's going to mean is He's going to intertwine your life with the life of other believers, and it will be messy. Okay, let's just get that out of the way, all right? Let's, let's, let's remove the disillusionment so, so that when you try this and it's messy, you won't think, well, pastor told me to do it. Now look what I got. I got this guy over here and he's got all kinds of problems, you know? Okay, let me just tell you right off the bat. You've all, we've all got problems, don't we? And it's going to be messy. But, but, but it's God's plan of driving us together and the Spirit of God working through us to build each other's faith up. So if the Spirit of God is permeating and filling your life, He's going to drive you into a small group. He's going to drive you into a Sunday school class. He's going to drive you into an accountability relationship. He's going to drive you into spiritual friendships with other believers. And if you resist that, listen, if you resist that, you're resisting the Spirit of God in your life. I promise you. If you resist that, and there are a lot of people that resist that. They, I want to hear some preaching. I want to be a part of a church, but I don't want anybody to be a part of my life. I don't want to get messed up with the lives of other people. Let me tell you, you, you're grieving the Spirit of God. And you're hindering the fullness of the Spirit in your life. Remember our, 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 our verse, our theme verse for Christ in our relationships, Romans chapter 1. Verse 11 and 12, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. That's what's going to happen. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna build up each other's faith. Now, notice what it says specifically to do here. I like this. Okay, so fill with the Spirit. What's it going to look like? You're going to address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What does that mean? I'll tell you exactly what that means. That means that when you, Drew and I do this all the time, when you greet one another, you walk up and you sing. This is how it works, right? Drew, we do this all the time. Andrew, how great thou art. Okay. No, that's not what it means. Okay. But you were afraid of that, weren't you? You're like, man, God's going to make me sing. This is bad. 
Okay, so we just got that away. It's not what it means, okay? It's not what it means. Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What are the psalms? You got them in your Bible, don't you? Psalm 63, 3, God's steadfast love is better than life. Psalm 119, 37, turn your eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. What, what Paul wants to do is to speak truth in the lives of other believers. If we go over to Colossians, again, I'm using it kind of as a, as a parallel passage. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, he, doesn't, he says, Let the word of Christ join you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And then he goes ahead, singing, song, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, we're, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but we're, we're to use truth, whether it's sung, whether it's spoken, whether it's taught. But when, 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 when we're driven together as, as, a, as a family of faith in Christ and our relationships, what ought to come out is we ought to speak the truth, the Word of God to each other. As the Spirit of God fills you, you're going to speak truth to other people. Okay? Now, that doesn't always look like this awkward thing of, you know, hey, how you doing? Well, Ephesians 3.19 says, you know, I mean, it's not that. But it's, it's just speaking truth in the lives of believers. We, I, I think you see that. It's a, it's, a, it's a great thing. I mean, I do that all the time. You know, someone's struggling with something. And man, I got all this stuff in my life. And I'll just say something like, man, seek first the kingdom of God. God will take care of it. Someone's got this horrible thing happen in their life. But you know they're a believer. Say, hey, remember, God works all things together for good to those who love him. Romans, you don't have to say Romans eight twenty eight. You know what are you doing? You're speaking truth into their life. You're establishing a relationship, and, and the, the, it's tethered by the Word of God. And you're speaking truth into their life, and they into your life, folks. It, it, this is the fullness of the Spirit. As God fills you, He's going to drive us together, and He's going to drive us together to speak truth in our lives. So many times, what what goes wrong is. As we know this ought to happen. And so, so, so we're driven together. We meet together. But how often does this happen? We meet together and we don't talk about anything spiritual. We, there, there's, no, there's no truth spoken. There's no, no word of God that goes forth. There's, there's no spiritual edification. That's not the fullness of the Spirit. As the Spirit fills us, it's just going to leak out of us. You know, it's kind of like, I mean, I kind of picture that, you know, a sponge. You know, you fill something up and, and you squeeze it a little. Whatever's inside squirts out, right? What ought to squirt out of you is God's truth. All right. Second thing. How's this going to look? Joy. Okay? Joy. Now, you're, you're saying, Pastor, I do not see the word joy in this passage. You are correct. It is not in this passage, okay? So, so, so where, where am I getting that? Well... I mean, I just think it's obvious. Look at verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making. Listen to this. Making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Okay? I don't see how you can miss joy in that. Okay? Because when you're singing with all your heart, think of the times in your life you've sung, with, you've made melody inside your heart. Okay? It's going on inside of you. Okay? Th- those are times of joy, are they not? Most of the time, okay? I mean, there, there's times where we sing because it's the right thing to do. Some of you, you may come every Sunday and you sing because it's the right thing to do. There, there's not, there's not this, this thing going on in you that says, God is so good to me and I want to pray. I hope that's going to happen to you. But some of you it may just still be kind of artificial. You come and you sing because the words are up on the screen and you want to you participate. And that, that's okay. Uh, but where we want to get to is that it's coming out of your heart. You, you're joyful over what God has done in you, who he is in you, and it's coming out, Okay? There's times that we sing, it's just the right thing to do. If you're at a birthday party, and, and you know, 
You got a little two-year-old having a birthday party. Happy birthday to you, right? You seem because you don't want to look like the Scrooge, right? You at least lip it anyway. So you, I mean, how, 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 how bad is that? A little girl's birthday, you're over there. You know, I mean, you sing because it's the right thing to do. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's, he's talking about singing, making melody with your heart, with all your heart. So this is coming from the heart of a person. It's, it's not like sixth grade choir where you mouth the words because you don't want to get a D. Okay, this, this is like when you're singing your school's fight song because you are so pumped that you just scored a touchdown. That, that's the kind of thing. It's, it's coming from your heart. It's when your heart is exploding with, with joy and you're singing to the Lord. God is the center and the object of your song. In other words, your heart is not, is not exploding because, because it's, a, it's a great day and you're going to the lake and Bruce Springsteen's on the radio. And, and so, so that's why you're singing. No, th- this is to the Lord. It specifically says making melody to the Lord with all your heart. In other words, you're happy because of what God has done in you and you're expressing that back to Him. Folks, I mean, if, if we had time, I could just show you a verse. I mean, read the Psalms, read the Bible. It's everywhere. Paul and Philippians, rejoice always. Again, I'll say rejoice. I mean, it's everywhere. The fullness of the Spirit is going to bring joy. You know why? Because, because again, it's connected, it's tethered to the Word of God. And let me tell you what, when, 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 you're, when you're filling your life up with the Word of God, and you're filling your life up with the reality that God has saved you, that God has plucked your feet out of the fires of hell. I had a guy ask me this last week. I mean, we were in a, a peril situation. Things were crumbling down, you know. And, and he said, he asked me this. He said, why are you so happy? And my response was, well, I deserve to be in hell, and I'm not there. And... and God's done all these great things for me. And by the way, we're in France on our bikes. Isn't that, I mean, come on, you know. But, but anyway, I mean, beyond all that, I mean, I mean there, there's something in a believer that, that as, as we embrace the word of God in our lives, that brings joy. Because we have God's reality of what God is doing, God's going to do in our lives. Joy. Okay, look at the next thing. We've got, we got to go quick here. Do not get drunk with wine. That's debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, Christian relationships, pushing you together. Joy, joy coming out of you in song. And, and, and man, I, I wish we had time too, to just look at, at what, what we do up here. I mean, this is important. I mean, th- this, is, this is us encouraging one another in song. This is us lifting our hearts up to the Lord and responding and saying, God, we get it. We get what you've done in us. And because we get it, we're happy. And we want to express that back. And we want to encourage others to get it as well. That, that's what we're doing here. The final thing, look, look, look in verse... Um, the final thing we're looking at today anyway. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with, and making melody to the, to the Lord with all your heart. Verse 20. Giving thanks always. Man, that is powerful, is it not? I mean, we could just take that phrase, but I won't because we looked at Thanksgiving a couple weeks ago uh, in, in, in another part of Ephesians here. But, but this, what, what Paul's saying is the fullness of the Spirit is going to lead to extreme thank, thankfulness, okay? This is not your ordinary thankfulness. This is like the X Games thankfulness, okay? Why, why do I say that? Because of what Paul says here. He says giving thanks always. Always, two, two things here, always, look at it in your Bible, always and for everything. Well, that's extreme, isn't it? Always and for everything. You thankful for a difficult day at work? You thankful for a checkbook that's barely in the black? You thankful for kids who left Pop-Tarts in the living room floor, didn't, didn't lift the toilet seat? 
Thankful for a husband who's grumpy or a wife with a bad attitude. You know what? It's, it's easy to be thankful for a bonus check and a, and a vacation and kids who are valedictorians and don't give you no lip. Okay? But that's not what Paul's talking about here, is it? Giving thanks always and for everything. What Paul's talking about is only possible when you're convinced of the incredible promises of God. It's only possible when you're full of the truth of God and the Spirit of God is controlling your life and you're convinced that God is big enough and He's wise enough and He's good enough to turn even the worst of tragedies for eternal and everlasting good. See, when when you're convinced of that, when that's what's filling you up, that's going to lead to a heart of gratitude. And you know what? Let's bring it back around. A heart of gratitude leads to a heart of joy. Isn't that true? Aren't those two connected? When, when you are full of thankfulness, are you also joyful? Yes or no? Yes, right? Maybe not this lighthearted happiness because real hard things might be happening in your life. But, but gratitude, real gratitude will produce a sense of well-being. A sense of, you know, it's okay. And so I'm okay. God is good. He's going to take care of it. So what do we do? Do we just wait around for this to hit us? I think that's what a lot of people think maybe, you know. Be filled with the Spirit. Okay, God, man, I come here every week and I'm just waiting for you to drop it on me, you know. I think it is a work of the Spirit, obviously, okay. It's supernatural. But we, we, need, we, need, to, we need to do these things, okay. We need to fill our lives with the Word of God. We need to yield our will to the Spirit, we need to not live in, in ways that grieve the Holy Spirit. And, and I even think these results, okay, these things that, 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 that are typical of what's going to happen when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're, you're going to be driven into these relationships where you're encouraging each other with truth and, and, and you're, you're going to be filled with joy and you're going to be worshipful in your heart and you're going to be thankful. I think not only are those results, but I think those are things we also ought to pursue. Does that make sense that something can be a result and also a means then we know that the, the, the fullness of the Spirit results in these things? Well, if I know the fullness of the, Spirit, of the Spirit results in joy, then I ought to set my will to be joyful in God. Not just, not just happy just because, but joyful in God. Joyful, joyful because of the, of, of the truths of God's Word. And I ought to pursue that. And if I know that the fullness of the Spirit is going to lead me, if I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm going to be driven in relationships, then I need to call some guy up this week and have lunch. And we need to, we need to talk about spiritual things. I, I, need, I need to be obedient to what I know the will of God is for my life. I need to seek that and pursue that. I need to find a verse, find verses that talk about joy and gratitude and relationships. And, and I need to speak it to myself and speak it to others. Yield to it. Call out for help. Pursue these traits and be filled with the Spirit of God. And do you want that? Let's, let's go right, right back to the beginning. What, what, what's going to happen if God has control of every area of your life? Are you scared of that? I hope you're not scared of that. I hope that you're so convinced in the character of God that you're able to leave here today and say, Okay, God, it's risky, it's scary, but I'm so convinced that you can do a better job with this thing than I can that I, I want you to have it. So I'm, I'm going to fill my life with truth. I'm going to pursue these relationships. I'm going to base my joy upon what the Bible says is true about me and life and my future. I want to be filled up with you. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. What an incredible gift that you have put 
your spirit inside of us. And Father, I I ask you to, to fill us with you. God, fill us up with your truth. Fill us up with your promises. Fill us up with with the reality of of who you are and who who you will be for us in the future. And God, I pray that that would press us together as, as believers, that it would, would, would enable us to, to talk spiritual conversation, to encourage each other with, with truths from your word. God, that it would look like an extreme, radical thankfulness, just knowing that you're big enough and wise enough and good enough, God, to handle even the worst things in our life. Father, fill us with Jesus. God, we don't want to be full of the world. We don't want to be full of of pride. We don't want to be full of fear. We don't want to be full of anxiety. God, we don't want to be filled with those things. We want to be filled with you. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.